We've got a really short scripture text this morning, but it is packed full of goodness. So would you turn with me to Acts chapter 12, 25. It's the last verse in uh, chapter 12. And we'll read through to 13, 5. I'll just make a few comments as we go along and um, in reading the text, maybe ask you a question or two. So what, what page is it on? 1712 in our, in our blue Bibles. Acts chapter 12, starting at verse 25. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. What was their mission? Who remembers? What are they doing? Nope. What's that? Famine relief. Remember they're, they're in Antioch and some prophets from Jerusalem come and one of them through the spirit predicts there's going to be a famine. Seven years. And so they, this, this young church takes an offering and they want to bless, uh, the church in Jerusalem. So they send it through Paul and Barnabas. So we've had this brief interlude from that where, um, they've been in Jerusalem and we've heard about Peter's miraculous escape from prison and then Herod's death. Okay, now they're back. They've returned to Antioch. This is like four or five hundred miles. So they made a long journey back. So then there's this transition. And Luke writes, In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Not really sure why he just says prophets and teachers, because there's apostles too. Paul's an apostle. Barnabas is an evangelist. So there's other ministries. Uh, but I think this is his way of saying leaders are gathering. Okay? So he says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed... They placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. Sent on their way by who? Holy Spirit. But what did verse 3 say? After they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on him and sent him off. Who sent him off in verse 3? Who? Who sent him off in verse 3? The church sent him off. What did verse 4 say? Who sent him off in verse 4? Holy Spirit. Huh. That should catch our attention. The Holy Spirit sent him off through the church. We should be able to look at the actions of the church that's filled with the Spirit of Jesus and say, actually, it's the work of the Holy Spirit happening through the church. We should be able to look at leaders in the church and say, when leaders are acting, they're acting filled with, led by, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The two should be one. We're the Spirit-filled community. We're the place on earth where God's Spirit dwells. Okay? 
So sent off by the leaders is sent off by the Holy Spirit. Guidance of the Holy Spirit, obedience of the leaders. And then we read, when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed, Salamis is, I think, on Cyprus, which is an island uh, in the Mediterranean. It's the first place they go. They proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. So then we, we just hear there's a team traveling together. Okay, so it's Paul, it's Barnabas, and it's John, and maybe others. There's helpers that are referred to later, but this is what we know of the leadership team that sent off. The Word of God. So before I uh, jump into the sermon, I want to I take two minutes and do a little bit of a segue from Pastor Gina's sermon last week and um, essentially convince you if you aren't already convinced, why every single person here needs to hear this sermon, even though it's about leaders. So here's how, what I want to do. I want to talk about the difference between leaders in the world and leaders in the church or in the kingdom of God. In the world, if somebody... I'm just going to pick. There's all kinds of ways, positions of leadership and ways that you can lead, but I'll pick a couple. If you've got a, a president or a CEO of a company, they oversee the vision or the mandate of that company and then they give orders that go down the ranks. And maybe there's some back and forth or interplay, but the buck stops with them, they give the orders. Same thing for the President of the United States. Uh, There's supposed to be some accountability, but by and large, they give orders, executive branch of the government can give executive orders that get carried out. Now, in the United States, there are 300 million people, and in our life, approximately, in our lifetime, Maybe four to six of those 300 million will ever stand a chance of being becoming the president of the United States of America. Similarly, in a company, you could pick one that's got 2,000 employees. One of them might stand a chance of becoming the leader of the company. So the relationship in the world between followers and leaders or people that are being led and told what to do is not one where people are genu- generally thinking about becoming like the leader or taking the place of the leader, but rather they're being led by and told what to do by that leader. Now switch over to the kingdom of God. Entirely different. Paul says to the church in in Philippi, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Paul writes to the church in Rome Romans chapter 8, he writes, For those God foreknew, and when the Bible says foreknew, it means loved, for loved. He also predestined to be conformed or changed or molded or shaped into the likeness of his son, that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Conformed. So anyone coming into the kingdom of God is meant to be conformed to the image or the likeness of Jesus Christ. We all become children of God through faith of Him, in Him. And then Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, we're all called to grow up into Him who is our head. And this is what he says when Paul speaks about the role of leaders in the kingdom of God. It says, it was He, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, starters of new works, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, some to be teachers, 
to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Jesus Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and, here it is, become mature. So think of something growing up to fullness. Well, that's what it says next, actually. (laughs) Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So Paul's saying the work of leaders is to grow up those who are following them into Christ. Doesn't mean that everybody comes to share in the same personality. We don't all look the same. It's obvious, right? We don't all have the same gifts, but we are conformed to Jesus Christ. So in the kingdom of God, leadership is incredibly different than in the world. And it's incredibly important because we should be able to look at our leaders and say, That's what I'm becoming. Again, not personality or gifts, but character of Christ. So leaders must embody the kingdom of God. If the kingdom of God is a kingdom of grace, we should say our leaders must be full of grace. If the kingdom of God is a a kingdom of compassion, leaders must embody compassion. Else, those who follow them will begin to embody other things, okay? So this morning we're going to look at some leaders and some leadership practices, but we don't we don't look at them and go, well, I don't see myself as a leader or I'm not that kind of a leader. We look at them and we go, oh, I can learn from them because that's what I'm becoming in terms of how I follow Christ and who Christ is and how I um, seek and discern his guidance, So I want to start this way. I want to start by telling a story. Uh, Many of you will have heard of the the place in North Carolina that is called the Community of the Cross. We've, as leaders, we've really appreciated a ministry called PRMI, and they have this beautiful mountain property that's 24 acres large, pristine, uh, uh, full of towering hemlock trees, a river that runs through it, trail prayer trails woven throughout up the side of the mountain, just a beautiful place uh, for encountering the Lord. And incredible um, life change has happened in this place. And I want to tell really quickly the story of how that place came to be, belong to, to PRMI. It was already in the late 1970s that the now director of that ministry had a vision from the Lord of this place and uh, not not didn't see exactly what it looked like but felt a calling from God to uh, have a place of ministry like this. And it, after he became, Bradalong became the director of PRMI in the late 80s, early 90s, began to pray, Lord, what's that place? Show us that place. Where is it going to be? And as the ministry began to grow, began to pray, Lord, when's the time that we begin to start looking? And so in the mid-90s, just began to start looking at properties, looking at places, praying, and for years experienced one closed door after another. Closed, 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 in such a painful way that he himself said, I had to put the dream down, it just died. I knew it was from the Lord. But I just knew I could not make it happen and um, and died to it in a way. Well, in early 2000, 2000s, um, 
somebody walked into their office and said, I want to sell a piece of property. And uh, they almost pushed them away because they were so close to it, so so de- like dead to desire. But the the Lord prompted them to go and look at it. And sure enough, this was the place. And so they entered into a purchase agreement, which is a miracle of the Lord in and of itself. They got the property for uh, significantly less than they thought it was going to be worth. And, um, and now they had to come up with the money. And so they start fundraising and praying and praying and fundraising. And the letters go out to all the constituents. And about four weeks before the deadline where they've got to have $600,000, they've got less than half of it. And Brad, as he tells the story, says, I found myself up on the side of the mountain, walking the land, destitute. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm at the place on the land, the only place where you can get a cell phone signal, and my phone rings. And it's a man named Reed Henson, who's a friend of the ministry. And Reed says, how are you? And I tell him, I'm, I'm horrible, I'm destitute. And uh, Reed says, well, explain to me, you know. And, and Brad says, well... You know, here we are in this situation and there's like three and a half weeks to go and I'm scheduled to go to Africa. He was actually on the way to Uganda to lead some uh, evangelism ministry with a Ugandan pastor friend. And, uh, and I gotta be gone for two weeks. And, um, I'm, I'm completely torn. I don't know what to do. Because, um, there are people that are telling me to stay home and make an extra last push and call the, call these people and, and just plead for the money. And uh, Reed says to him, what is Jesus calling you to do? And he said, I swallowed hard and I said, I know Jesus is calling me to go to Uganda. And then Reed said to him, does Jesus want this property for himself and for his glory? And he said, I know he does. And then Reed said, then go and obey Jesus. And so the short of it is, Brad went and um, God poured out his Holy Spirit in Uganda. Hundreds of young people came to faith in Christ. And he returned from the trip to find out that they still had the exact same amount of money as when he left. And now they're about a week and a half out. And yet a few days later, gets a phone call that says, Hey, there's this um, woman that you've never heard of, but she's a mother of so-and-so who's connected to our ministry. And she just heard about the ministry in Uganda. And she's settling her estate. And she'd like to give a gift to PRMI uh, of stock shares. And she gave a quarter million dollars. And um, then after that gift was given, a whole onslaught of little gifts came in that took them past the $600,000 mark. Okay, it's a beautiful God story, but here's what I, here's what I want us to hear from it. The, the, that was, uh, 16, 17 years ago. In the 16, 17 years since, thousands of lives have been touched by Jesus Christ in that place. Hundreds of people have come to faith. Hundreds and thousands have been nurtured and grown up in their faith. The fruit, all that fruit came because leaders were faithful to obey, first to seek, but then to obey the guidance of Jesus Christ given through his Holy Spirit. Fruit of leaders seeking and obeying 
the guidance of Jesus Christ given by his Holy Spirit. This is what we see in our text this morning. Leaders saying we've, we are called to lead, but we don't lead on our own. We don't know where we're going. We don't know except that we need to seek your face, God. And so Paul, Luke writes, there's a group of leaders that are gathered to seek the face of God. And God says to them, and remember, it's always clearer in hindsight. The Holy Spirit said, I can say a lot of Holy Spirit says afterwards. <laughs> Somehow, the Holy Spirit gives the guidance, set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work for me. That's a beautiful part we'll come back to for the work that I've called them to. And these leaders obey and they send him off. And what we're about to see is an explosion of fruit all across the continent. And in fact, the known world because of this step of obedience. God had a calling for Paul and he had a calling for Barnabas that he needed or wanted them to be set apart for. And that that was discerned as leaders came together in community. Well, God's got calling and he's got purpose for each of us. So I'm not Paul and you're not Barnabas and we're not in Antioch. But Acts chapter 17 says to us, it's actually the words of Paul speaking in Athens. He says, God determined the exact times and places where we would live. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus and that God has prepared good works or ministries or ways of serving Jesus that he's prepared in advance for us to walk in. So the question then becomes, well, what about us as a church at Gold Avenue and what about us as individuals? How then do we discern and walk into the fruitfulness that comes from being where Jesus is calling us, doing what the Lord Jesus is calling us to do. And that's where we look at these leaders in Acts chapter 13. And we can see that they're doing, I want to say, two, two, two things especially that we can learn from. One, they're creating a context. Creating a context for seeking and hearing from God. Luke says, They're fasting, they're worshiping, and they're praying. These are all forms of humbling ourselves. These are all forms of saying, God, we need you. We need you more than we need food. We need your guidance and direction. God, we love you. Worship is is at its very essence just saying, God, I love you. I love you so much that I will spend time singing your praises. Just adoring you. I will thank you. I'll acclaim you. I'll tell you how special you are. How wonderful you are. How wise you are. How worthy you are of the words of my lips. Just speaking. And they're praying. Remember, prayer is two way conversation. It's acclaiming God. It's worshiping Him. It's speaking to Him, but it's also listening for Him. Father, 
Your will be done. Your kingdom come. What's your will? What do you want to say to us as we gather? So these leaders are creating a context in which God is and can be sought and heard from. This isn't Sunday morning worship. That is a context. God speaks. But Luke doesn't say this is the whole church in Antioch. He says it's a group of leaders that said, let's carve apart. Let's set apart time and space to go and to seek the Lord together. And that God responds to that context. God responds to worship, to prayer, to humbling of ourselves by speaking. Here's the next step of faithful obedience. So here's a story of what that looks like for us and actually for Pastor Gina. She gave me permission to tell a little bit of her story. Before she was Pastor Gina, she was seminary graduate with a sense of call to stay in West Michigan where her parents' mother was and Dane's mother was, their parents were, and to wait for invitation. And many months into that praying and waiting, with a clear sense of calling, nothing had happened in terms of invitation or very little. And so Pastor Gina gathered praying friends and said, seek the Lord together with me. And as they prayed and they sought the Lord, one of them said, I see a, a picture, like a vision. I see a picture of a like a, a river path and three stones. And so the group discerned together that maybe God was talking about the path ahead and that there were three steps that needed to be taken. And another person said, um, I see a picture of a, like a mountain cabin and a man standing in the door, waving. Does that mean anything to you? And Pastor Gina, who'd actually never been at the Community of the Cross in North Carolina, said to someone else there who had been there, hey, what does that place look like? And Oh, it's, yeah, it's got a cabin. And she said, well, the, the executive director did ask me to come and be a part of their um, teacher apprentice, apprentice teacher program and to, to go through some leadership training. And so the group said, well, are there other opportunities or steps in front of you that you might be called to take? And she said, yeah, in fact, there are two others. I've been invited to go to participate with the leadership team for a conference that's going to happen in Holland. And I've been invited to participate with some small group leader training for that conference at the denominational headquarters. And so it seemed good to the group and to Pastor Gina that she would just take these three steps, follow these invitations, and see where the Lord led. Well, as she tells the story, lo and behold, she shows up in North Carolina and meets me. We'd never met before and began to build a friendship. And then she goes to the denominational building for training. And who's there for small group training? Me. And then we go to, she goes to a conference that she's leading and who's there teaching? Me. And so the Lord used these three steps to start to build a relationship through which came a very clear sense of call from us, from our elders. And the fruit of that is beautiful. We're really glad you're here. (laughs) Right? So that's an example, a practical example. Like we see leaders doing it here. She gathered a group of friends around her. Seek the Lord with me. Worship the Lord with me. Listen to the Lord with me. And look at the fruit that comes from it. But I want to flag up that as... The leaders in our text do that this morning. There's a cost. It's costly obedience. 
Luke says that after fasting and praying, they set their hands on them, laid their hands on them, and prayed for them, and they sent him off. Well, I want to just pause there for a minute and notice a couple of things. They didn't go back to the congregation and have a congregational vote. Why not? Well, the Holy Spirit had been had given guidance. Well, what was that like for the congregation? There's a church in Antioch that knows and loves Paul and Barnabas. Right? Barnabas led many of these people to faith. And then he went and got Paul and for a whole year they've been pouring into these people. So for these these people, these this might be the only pastor they've known. It's been the person who's primarily shaped them. A number of them have undergone um, deliverance ministry as they came out of the kingdom of darkness. I mean, these have been the role models and the mentors that they look to. These two have raised up the other prophets and teachers in the church. This is, this is no small or simple thing like, okay, well, the Lord said, and so therefore, and so by, you know, hope you have a nice life. This is really costly obedience. It matters. It matters to them. And I want to, if you're, I don't know how, how much you're feeling this right now, but I'll just say that one way to access what this might feel like is to imagine that the Holy Spirit's guidance to our elders was, okay, set aside Pastor Dave and Pastor Gina for a task I've called them to. Like we're not the only leaders here, but we're two of the main leaders just like Paul and Barnabas were. And um, I can't speak for all of you, but I, I just think that that would produce a lot of conflicting feelings. It would for me, would for Pastor Gina. There's a lot of mutual love and healthy love and affection, I think, between us as leaders and you as a church family. And so that's what it feels like if, if the Lord's guidance would be to send us off. Well, you know, you could imagine, that helps you imagine what some people in the church in Antioch might have been feeling. But... But the, the work in Antioch's not finished. We're not, we're not, we're not where we're going. We're not growing to maturity. God's got a whole lot more done. And, you know, how can you concentrate on that work out there? We're, we're not done here, you know? Oh, we're gonna, I would, you just could hear their hearts. If you, and if you, if we, we think about in our, in our humanity, we, we want what we love and what's comfortable for us. And so I think what, what that leads us to ask is what motivates, what leads to this kind of costly obedience? And I want to answer that it's reverence for the Lord, yes, but I believe more than that, it's love for Jesus Christ and for the kingdom of God. And it's greater love for Jesus Christ than it is for our own lives and for our own comfort. And this is where I feel like we need to hear the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to comfort us. He brings, com- he loves to comfort us in our place of need, but that does not mean that he wants us to be comfortable. So his ministry is to comfort us, but not necessarily to make or keep us comfortable. And so I, I want us to hear that as our church continues growing, and I believe we are growing beautifully in terms of our 
our love for the Lord and our hunger and our thirst to see his kingdom come. I love listening to us worship the Lord. You can hear love for him swelling up. You can hear it in our prayers. You can hear it in our testimony. You can see it in the way we're, we're, we're growing in our, our personal involvement in ministry in representing Him wherever He's placed and called us. And so as we continue to grow in our love for Jesus and His kingdom, that we will be called to take steps of costly obedience as the Holy Spirit gives guidance. That we won't all stay. Some of us will be sent. And in fact, I want to tell you this morning, we are, we are getting ready to be asked to make a a costly gift because Luke and Laurel have been on a journey of discernment and they have been sensing a call from the Lord to go and serve Him in Costa Rica. And Costa Rica is not Grand Rapids. And that's really joyful. And that's going to have some beautiful fruit in you and through you. And it also comes with pain because we love you. And Laurel, you're a worship leader and Luke, you're a deacon. And you're you're both gifted and amazing at what you do and beyond that, you're our friends and our family members. And so, joy, joy when the Lord gives guidance and costly obedience partnered right together. For the kingdom of God. So I'm, I'm sharing this. We're going to hear lots more from Luke and Laurel in weeks and months to come. It might help us all to know that three months-ish is approximately what you're looking at, right? We'll just call it roughly that right now. They're going to start raising support and, and, uh, and whatnot, but approximately, okay? I want to call us back to the fruit that comes as we, as not just leaders, but followers of Jesus, create contexts, whether um, corporately or, I don't want to say individually, because I think there's something really, really important about this text, is that they do this in community. So um, we do seek God's guidance on our own, but we... we, we um, particularly in this culture that is highly individualistic, we don't act on it alone. Okay, In the body of Christ, it's so important that we're knit in a community and that we draw others into that circle of discernment. Okay, So here, I want to just call us back to some of the fruit. Who? Just I want to ask you to put a hand up. Who all appreciates Lindsay's growth in worship leadership? Yeah, okay. You're all putting your hands up anyways. Okay, so that came because leaders were watching. She wasn't a worship leader. She hadn't done that in a church before, but leaders were watching. What's God doing? She embodied worship. And leaders said, God's doing something. We need to respond. It was like the Holy Spirit said, in a way, set apart Lindsay for this work that I've called her to. And we've just gotten to experience the fruit as she's grown in that. Okay? Well, she's not the only one. Mark and Rebecca. Huh? You're here because leaders saw God doing something in you and in the church, and they were willing to enter this discernment space, this 
sort of awkward space where there's no money and there's no position, but God's doing something. And so we're going to honor that and we're going to gather and we're going to pray and we're going to take steps of faith and obedience. Fruit, beautiful fruit. Stephanie, you're here because people saw God doing something in you and said, what's God doing? What's he calling for? How might you obey? Created this context, right? It's just questions, observations, questions, prayer. And then there's this beautiful move from Florida to Grand Rapids. And we all love and appreciate you. And I could go on and on for each one because, again, God's got roles for each one. In the same way that Jesus in his earthly ministry was saying, come follow me, come follow me, come follow me. He's still saying that to us by his spirit. He's still waving, come follow me, come follow me. You're going to do this. Come with me, come with me. You and me are going to be involved in healing ministry over here. And you and me, we're going to be involved in justice work. And you and me, we're going to be working with young people. And you and me, we're going to be doing this together with this group of people. Jesus is still calling and gathering. And as we watch, discern, pray, and obey the guidance of the Holy Spirit discerned in community, there's incredible fruitfulness from that. And that's very different from the way the world works. So I'm just going to end here and pray for our continued growth in being a people who are saying, Lord, what are you doing? What's next? How do we cooperate? And how do we, um, how do we follow you in faith and obedience even when it's hard? Okay, let's pray. Lord, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for how um, we are knit together as a body and we see you working in and through each member of this body. And Lord, I thank you that you have calling, you have ministry, you've got direction for us that is beyond what we know and aware. Just like Pastor Gina wasn't aware that this place would be where you're calling her. In fact, many of us weren't aware of that. You've called us here and now you've got roles for us and you've got futures for us just like you had a future for Paul and Barnabas that needs to be discerned. And so, Lord, I pray that you would grow us as a community who discerns what your Spirit is doing and a community who's willing to take steps of faith and obedience even when it's costly and it's difficult because we love you, Lord, and we trust you. You are, you are trustworthy with our lives. And so, Lord, glorify Yourself through the guidance that You give and the ways that we, empowered by You, are able to follow You with faith and obedience. Amen.